and welcome to the Free Movement Podcast. I'm CJ McKinney. Support for victims of human trafficking is an important part of the modern immigration system, but the government now suspects that supposed generosity is being abused. The Home Office's new plan for immigration says that we must act now to reform the system, a promise perhaps more ominous than uplifting. To discuss what we know about how trafficking victims are currently treated and what the government wants to change, I'm joined by Maya Esselmont from After Exploitation, a not-for-profit working in this area. Hey, Maya. Hi, CJ. First things first, what is human trafficking? What are we talking about here? Human trafficking, or modern slavery more specifically, is a severe form of exploitation for commercial commercial or personal gain of another person or people. Um, so as for the forms that this exploitation might take, this could be domestic servitude, it could be sexual exploitation or labour exploitation in lots of different settings from hospitality to drug cultivation. I think it's really important to recognise that there are already barriers on the types of exploitation recognised as quote-unquote slavery by the Home Office. So there are lots and lots of ways that people can face abuse and feel deterred from coming forward for support due to fears around their immigration status. And the term modern slavery refers to a very, very narrow group of people who are subjected to abuse in the UK. And the law requires the authorities to offer support to people that they encounter who look like they may have been trafficked, exploited in the ways that you've outlined. Can you tell me a bit about how this support and referral system works? So the national referral mechanism is really, really important because it's the sole way that an individual can be recognised by the UK state as a survivor of trafficking. And therefore, it's also the only way that people can get guaranteed access to support linked to their exploitation. So that might include safe housing, some forms of legal advice, some modest financial help. Um, and some medical intervention as well. So in theory, once somebody is recognised in the first decision-making stage of the NRM, um, they're granted a reasonable grounds decision and they're then able to access this help. And then there's a second stage called the conclusive grounds decision where people who've passed the first stage go on to be sort of given the final thumbs up or thumbs down as to whether they are an official victim or rejected. Yeah, and at this stage, if you get a positive conclusive grounds decision um, and you're a non-UK national, what will happen is you will receive automatic consideration for certain kinds of immigration outcomes, but there is no tailored immigration outcome for trafficking survivors to apply for as it stands right now. Um, so as a result, it's there's no guarantee that even if you go through the system and you work within the framework and you work with the authorities um, and you are recognised by the UK state as a survivor of modern slavery, even if you overcome all of those odds, there's absolutely no guarantee that you will secure um, an immigration status as a result of your exploitation in the UK. So that's really, really worrying because although you can go through the process and of course the conclusive grounds decision is really important to get that automatic consideration, there's no guaranteed um, support access after your time in the NRM and you may still be liable for removal. You run an organisation called After Exploitation and can you tell me a bit about your work? You're not working sort of directly with victims, you're trying to work out what the outcomes for victims are at a sort of system-wide level. 
we use freedom of information requests to kind of gather information on data that was previously denied by government um, around the longer term outcomes facing modern slavery survivors. So this includes cases where the government has denied holding data on the detention of trafficking victims, which we now obviously know to be held through our investigations, um, cases where the government has denied holding data on the deportation or removal of victims, which we've now obviously evidenced as being held centrally and also data on the longer term immigration outcomes and insecurity facing survivors and in extreme cases we've had to take action against the home office um, where they failed to provide data that they could have under the freedom of information act Um, so we actually had to fight for two years to get information on um, certain immigration statuses and outcomes facing survivors fight for two years through the information tribunal was it yes with the help of the amazing campaign for freedom of information who helped us with representation um but again it's really worrying that non-profit organizations are having to invest resource in fighting the government for data which is basically being requested so that we can develop better policy for survivors there's no reason why any organization should be expected to divert resource away from supporting survivors into fighting our own government to get information that will help us all do our jobs better that's really concerning so again i hope that eventually we'll be out of business because there'll be consistent data sets released on some of these outcomes including detention but also the longer term um, outcomes such as access to safe housing access to accommodation um and yet the immigration statuses that are provided or rejected well absolutely and hopefully someday you will be obsolete but uh, in this world uh, people who are interested in trafficking whether it's practitioners ngos who might be interested in in getting uh, their hands on this kind of information uh, can get in touch with you at after exploitation let's go on to talk about what's coming down the track for the trafficking system there's two things I want to talk about. There's a fairly specific but important change when it comes to uh, detention of uh, potential victims. And then there's the proposals in the new plan for immigration, this recent policy paper. So detention first. Until a few days ago, the policy was roughly that once someone's been identified as a potential trafficking victim, they've got what's called a positive reasonable grounds decision to use the, the trafficking jargon. Uh, they should normally normally be released from detention. That's according to the Modern Slavery Act guidance. But as of the 25th of May, so just a few days ago, trafficking is now just a relevant factor when considering someone for release. And they are now covered by a different set of guidance, the Adults at Risk policy. Now, the Home Office says that it makes sense to bring all vulnerable migrants in detention under this one roof, as it were, under the Adults at Risk policy. But the Home Office also says that and I quote, some individuals may, as a result of the changes, be more likely to be detained, end quote. So by some individuals, they mean more uh, trafficking victims. So that seems bad. Yeah. And so the detention changes are really horrific, to be honest. So, you know, like you mentioned just now, the government has kind of told the press that this is just an attempt to rectify an anomaly, quote unquote, um, in the policy whereby, you know, potential victims of trafficking um, used to face an expedited release compared to other vulnerable groups. But what they're obviously failing to mention is that the presumption of release was in place for a number of reasons. So first of all, obviously, people recognised as potential victims are earlier in their recovery journey. So 
they're at a crucial stage where they need to be receiving help and they're more likely to be vulnerable because they've very recently left settings of exploitation so to keep people detained at this stage in their recovery journey even after they've been recognized as a potential victim by the home office itself is basically a willful decision to punish someone who's potentially the victim of a crime who's entitled to support secondly immigration detention is only lawful where there's a realistic prospect of the person's removal taking place within a reasonable time clearly if somebody's waiting for an outcome on a new trafficking claim that's not the case and you know thirdly these are people who the home office itself has recognized as a potential victim of trafficking so to downgrade the value of their own decision is basically again a willful attempt to increase the ease with which vulnerable people can be held in prison like settings one of the really worrying red flags that has kind of come up in the Home Office's response to the detention changes was this um, commitment to delivering training to staff so that trafficking support through the NRM could be delivered within detention, quote unquote. So this is really serious because survivors only really get their one shot at access to designated trafficking support once. And once you get it, that's it. So to force survivors to have their one shot at recovery support and advocacy from within a prison-like setting is absolutely horrific. Lots of reasons for them not to do this. Nevertheless, uh, as I've said, it has come into force as of a few days ago, uh, despite you, I think, helped campaign against it with a coalition of other NGOs. Is there anything that can be done now that this is in place? Or are we stuck with this uh, system where more potential victims are going to be detained? I think at the risk of sounding naive, probably not optimistic, maybe just naive, um, I would say that every single party except for the majority party stood against this categorically. It, It got a huge, huge turnout and... There were just so many charities fighting tooth and nail against this. So really, I would just say that we do have to keep fighting. I would suggest, obviously, following us after exploitation, if you would like, um, but also the work of ILPA, Medical Justice, BID, and some others who are working really, really hard against these changes. I know that, yeah, we are going to continue to pursue avenues to raise this when there are opportunities politically, and I think there will be. Um, And yeah, whenever there's a juncture to challenge this next, I'm sure there's going to be wide-scale support across the charity sector and even in the wider community when word gets out to the general public a little bit more. So yeah, fingers crossed, we'll have to just watch this space, I think. Let's talk then about the new plan for immigration. This is a set of Home Office proposals for various changes to the immigration and asylum system. A lot about refugees in there, but it also touches on trafficking. So some of the reforms, quote unquote, they have are they want to stop anyone with a criminal conviction carrying a sentence of 12 months or more from getting trafficking support to make it harder to get accepted as a potential victim to get this positive, reasonable grounds decision to sort of get yourself into the system. And there's a lot been written about these specific measures and some of those organizations you've mentioned have got really good briefings and campaign materials and so on. So so people can, can look that up. We'll link to some analysis on the website. Mm-hmm. But I know when we spoke before, you had particular concerns as well as about the substance, as about the tone and the rhetoric in the new plan for immigration and and coming from the government about trafficking victims. I think, like you said, it's important to recognise the spirit in which the changes have been introduced. And that's really, really evident from 
like you said, again, the rhetoric that's being employed. So we know that there are some changes in the new plan that are kind of a direct attack on survivors um, and some that are an indirect attack um, through changes to the asylum system that will also affect a lot of survivors um, who are facing immigration insecurity. I think the key concern is that Chris Phillips has stressed that the UK is, quote unquote, one of the most generous in terms of trafficking support. Chris Phillips is the Home Office Minister responsible for this yeah, area. Sorry, I should mention it's like that. And also, yeah, just the fact that the government keeps emphasising that the number of people recognised as victims in the UK is too high, despite the fact that these are people who have overcome all odds to work within the government's own framework. So we know that the political intention is to just limit the number of people identified as survivors, regardless of the case's merit. And this is obviously going to pose a huge threat to people who had otherwise fared better in the system, which is already broken. So some of the ways that the government is trying to do this is by introducing new powers for first responders um, so that they can basically decide who is and isn't referred to even be considered in the first instance, even where people are recognised by authorities as a suspected victim. We already know that in practice this is taking place, and I think last year it was 2,178 suspected victims coming into contact with authorities and never getting an NRM referral, completely slipping through the net. And one of the changes in the new plan is this move towards allowing first responders even more powers to just not refer people even when they'd like to be referred. They're also trying to raise the threshold for the first decision-making stage in the NRM, the reasonable grounds, to limit the people who get through that first stage and penalise people who have served prison sentences. The top form of exploitation in the UK is criminal exploitation. So we're going to see huge groups of people being disqualified from consideration from the get-go on the basis of the first responder they come into contact with, on the basis of the nature of their exploitation, which is beyond their control. And yeah, of course, if they've been forced to commit a crime under duress and haven't managed to raise a successful defence, these are groups of people who are already made vulnerable by existing policy who are going to fare even worse under the new plan. So it seems like it's all about filtering people out at the initial point of entry, filtering people out at the initial decision-making stage, uh, and just limiting the number of people who ultimately are entitled to the types of support that we mentioned at the outset. Yeah, 100%. And I think what's really, really important to stress is that there are huge problems when it comes to the estimates that currently exist around the scale of modern slavery. So, you know, within academia, there's been so much discussion around whether the statistics that float around are robust enough and whether we can actually use any kind of credible methodology to understand the scale of modern slavery. So what I would say is that the last government-approved estimate of modern slavery in the UK um, was put out by the Centre for Social Justice last year. And what they said is that at any given point in time, this is like a snapshot estimate, 100,000 people are living in settings of exploitation. Now, if you compare that to the figure who actually get picked up by the NRM, that's only 10,000 per year. And of those that go on and become successful and get that final conclusive grounds, it's much, 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 much lower. So the government, by its own estimation, is failing to recognise a huge majority of trafficking survivors that exist in the UK right now. And their response is to try and limit the numbers identified even further. That's very, very disturbing. Yeah, because I suppose the government's 
angle is, hey, look, the number of uh, people being referred into the system as victims has gone up from a few thousand to the kind of scale you talked about, 10,000 or so. Clearly, the, this system is being wildly abused by people just trying to, to game it. But it's perfectly plausible that uh, the vast majority of people are um, genuine victims because they're, the scale of, of uh, abuse in the country is, is so big. The question is, if a system is failing to provide support, even to recognise survivors of slavery, why on earth would anybody try and waste their time by gaming that system? It's not even a system that's worth gaming, as it stands. Just going back to this issue of the rhetoric and and how government has presented these changes, the Home Office put out a press release a few days before it published the new plan document, and it spoke about and I'm quoting again, an alarming rise of abuse within the modern slavery system. It talked about, quote-unquote, child rapists and people who pose a threat to national security as people who are sort of gaming the system, to use that language. What's the basis for this stuff? Frankly, there may be no basis for this, but it's really worrying because, again, we have no idea what the source of these claims are. So... This is, again, a case of the government kind of forcing us to play them on their home ground because they can gatekeep what data they release, when and why they release it, without any room for others to analyse it. There's no consistently released data sets for um, individuals or researchers to hold the government to account. So in this case, the data that they cite is mixed in with failed asylum seekers and various types of criminalized activity so this is very very misleading we have absolutely no idea what the data looks like in reality and again we're just seeing in real time what the absolute worst case scenario is for when a government refuses to hold itself to account by publishing data in a consistent format and allowing itself to be held to account yeah it makes your work trying to improve the quality of the data that the public and research researchers can access all the more important this is all very bleak (laughs) i think we have uh, not given people much to be happy about uh when it comes to trafficking which i mean if that's the reality that's the reality um is there any cause for hope about you know things may get worse before they get better but can things get better if only in the long term I think we are seeing a really huge shift in interest um, in the general public when it comes to how vulnerable people more generally are being disproportionately affected by hostile environments or policies. And I think even people who are quite moderate when it comes to immigration or maybe even ambivalent are starting to really, really doubt the ways in which decisions are being made around removals. Um, So I think the goal now is to just make sure that everyone across the relevant sector feels empowered to fight the specific trafficking policy changes as well as the asylum changes and kind of just join forces to get the new plan for immigration scrapped in its entirety. No tinkering with the plans, no trying to work with stakeholders where it's completely outlandish and, you know, Yeah, I think the goal is to try and get the new plan scrapped in its entirety. And I think actually there's more public support for it than you'd expect. So maybe I'm being naive, maybe I'm being optimistic. I don't know, but I guess we'll have to watch this space. We will indeed. And uh, best of luck with that scorched earth approach to campaigning. (laughs) Maya, we'll we'll leave it there. Thank you very much, uh, Maya Esselmont from After Exploitation. 
This has been a podcast from Free Movement. We cover all aspects of immigration law from human trafficking to visas for billionaires. www.freemovement.org.uk is the website. Lots of stuff free to read and to listen to. Um, go to forward slash join to become a member and enjoy full access to our material. This podcast will be back on the 11th of June with our monthly roundup with myself and our editor, Colin Yeo. Until then, thanks for listening and goodbye.